welcome to episode 22 of Cinemental. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the movie podcast that we can only hope you enjoy listening to as much as we enjoy making. My name is Stephen Hovicki, and as always, I'm here with my co-hosts, Hassan Godwin and Lathan Conger III. Our guest tonight, his full-time job is taking pictures of people doing fun things in fun places. He has great taste in bad movies, and his mother said he's a talker, so he's in pretty good company. Steve Prue, welcome to the show. First of all, I'd like to point out this is not a video podcast. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> I look great. <laughs> you do. You 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 are by far and away the best dressed guest we've had. Absolutely. And you've had Stoya on here. And we've had Stoya. We've had Stoya. Correct. First, I think we should get to some news that gives us fits. Uh, you guys have anything? Well, I was prepared to be disappointed by the Batman trailer, but I have to admit I liked it. So, <laughs> Me too. Oh, I'm in. I'm in. Fucking emo. Fucking Batman. No origin story. Not a rich industrialist. Just industrialist. Just grumpy and emo. I'm in. Spear, like fucking smeared makeup. In. Okay. Mad. He gives that poor man a beatdown. Yeah, I, yeah, I, 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 I'm not going to say poor man, but yeah, it looks good. I think it's a little exaggerated to say only 25% of the movie is shot and they got all that stuff out of the 25%. I think that's... Why do you, why do you say that? It just, it just doesn't... I mean, there's, that's, that's a pretty... The, the, the trailer feels very like fluid, like it's meant, designed to be put together. And you're, if you're a trailer, you know, if you, if you make trailers, you're picking from the entire movie and making it cryptic and it, it comes off as completely cryptic, but they apparently only had 25%. I just think that's difficult to do. First of all, out of all the shots they showed and I, I'm without going back and having it playing in front of me. Uh, if I remember correctly, there's not a whole lot in the sh- footage that they show that is effects laden or needed any post work. That's true. And the other thing is, if they went into this knowing when fandom was going to start, which they could very well have when they started shooting this, they could very well have created a production schedule around trailer design. They could have very well designed this trailer ahead of time and said, we want to put this, 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 and this and see what else you got at the time. But there, maybe there were a few high points they wanted to hit. They got those, and they were able to piece in the other stuff around it. But it could very well that that's done by design. Huh. It, it's possible, I guess. I, I mean, I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. I don't really care one way or the other. I, I agree with you. I think it looks good. I'm, you know, I was discussing with Hassan earlier because the the subject came on up on another podcast about bat suits, and I like the look of his suit in the context that this is this is year two. 
This is not year one Batman. This is year two Batman. So right. he's gotten rid of the sweatpants and the sweatshirt and the, uh, you know, and the, and the, and the Zorro mask. And he's, this is his sort of first try at like an armored kind of exosuit. And uh, he's got some cool boots and some, some cool toys. And uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm liking it. And a good looking Batmobile. Who are the villains in this movie? The Riddler. It's just the Riddler. The Riddler, and well, you saw Colin Farrell in the trailer, right? Nope. So he's the guy that looks like Richard Kind. That's Colin Farrell in makeup. Okay. Who's he? The Penguin. Who, he he's the Penguin. Okay, so the Riddler and the Penguin. Well, I don't know that the Penguin. Well, you saw also in the trailer. You saw Catwoman. No. Really? Who's that? Who's who's Catwoman? Yeah. Maybe I'm confusing this trailer for Johnny um, Mnemonic. Did, did you see the trailer? Did you <laughs> see the trailer? <laughs> did you Did you watch that bad boy? His suit is green, right? <laughs> All right. No, I go. saw it. I saw it. I just Zoe Kravitz. Zoe Kravitz plays a young Catwoman. Okay. <laughs> I didn't want to look too hard. I I want to like enjoy it. I previews. I kind of like look away a bit. <laughs> like like Tenet. I'm just like. You know, I don't want to know much. I just want to be teased. Listen, you can fucking glue your eyes to the screen for the Tenet trailer, and you still won't fucking yeah, you, know anything. Yeah, so gonna, what's the difference? You ain't going to figure that movie out from a trailer. That's nope. there's no way. <laughs> and rightly so. That's like that's like Interstellar, like from a trailer. It's like, he's in a bookcase. I got it. I get the whole movie. I don't uh, even need to see it. We stop with the, <laughs> stop with the bookcase thing. Really? Gee, come hey, just yeah. let it, just yeah, let it go. Hey, Steve. Hey, Girl. Steve. I, I, I'm never going to stop with the bookcase thing. <laughs> it's never, it's not happening. Man. I'll leave you alone about it. I promise. But, but somewhere 10 years from now, you're going to hear me in a cafe somewhere complaining about that bookshelf. There you are. <laughs> to whoever will listen. Whoever. The bookshelf and the refrigerator from Crystal yeah. Skull. Yeah. They are I mean, begging. That's people. never not funny. They're begging people to go to the theaters here next week. They're, they're letting you rent out theaters for private parties of up to like 40, 50 people for like 150 bucks. They just wow, that's good. That's a great it. deal. Well, if you can organize it, yeah, it's a great deal. Yeah, so, 50 people, it's three bucks a piece. Are you fucking kidding me? I could, I, could find, be, I could find 50 people to go to a movie and a fucking I could still find be screening all my friends. 10 bucks to see Tenant with 50, 14 of my friends. I'll, I'll yeah. do that. Every one yeah. of my friends, hold still, cotton swab. Yeah, yeah, and I would be in, the, I'd be in the projector booth while everybody else was. I, I, I was gonna say behind the screen, watching yeah. it backwards. You guys having fun down there? You You'd COVID be in there nasty. in a fucking environmental suit. You're like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh no, feature presentation. Well, I'd like to thank everybody for coming out tonight. Uh, <sighs> <sighs> Looking like Kosh from Babylon Five, he's come out in a, in a, in a shower curtain suit, and, and, and never mind. I'm, I'm, I'm good. Hassan, you got anything? Secrets. Uh, actually, kind of in in uh, in the same vein of what we were talking about, like the Scott Mendelson tweet that came out about Justice League. I don't and, know who Scott uh, Mendelson is. Scott Mendelson is just one of these. Uh, 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 columnist. He's a he's a journalist, and he was reporting on Justice League. And Justice League had not the the, uh, the trailer for the Snyder Cut hadn't dropped yet. Okay. And Mendelssohn came out, and he said, uh, uh, "So the trailer for the Snyder Cut of Justice League looks like the same movie." 
uh, lots of deleted scenes from uh, from the marketing campaign, but otherwise it looks like an alternative take uh, of the existing scenes. That's what exactly what the fuck it is. Yeah, say, and, so, and so of course the problem is that Snyder came in and said, "Hey, f you," you know, <laughs> why don't you sit and spin, dickwit? And um, well, it was it, and it was like a snide kind of. Uh, uh, you said you enjoyed a theatrical cut. This is Snyder now talking. You said you enjoyed the theatrical cut uh, of Justice League like you enjoy your Saturday morning cartoons. Well, this one is made for grown-ups. <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> uh, you're not in the demographic. Uh, also, cool of you to comment on a leaked trailer. So the trailer hadn't even come out yet. Most people hadn't even seen it. This guy had a privilege because he was a journalist, and he just made an immediate tweet about it before anybody else got a chance to see it. Like I said the same thing on uh, on the other podcast. I get that people don't like it. It's it's perfectly fine. You don't like it. You didn't like what you saw. You're we have been starved for content for for a couple months, right? The um the industry is kind of teetering. It's not going to fall apart, but I mean it is it is in a, in a place of uncertainty right now. And a lot of people who do what we do I mean we're okay because we've got an archive of literally thousands of movies that we could do before before we run out of stuff. Oh yeah. But especially doing stuff with uh, Dolce and a whole bunch of uh, these other shows that you watch like on YouTube and on Twitch and they're starved for content because there's nothing new going on, you know? So now finally uh, uh, DC fandom drops a whole bunch of these trailers, talks about all, all of these new things that are coming out, whether you like them or not, it's new content. It's, it's revitalizing the industry. People have uh, material to talk about again. And the first thing that happens is people start tweeting and bitching about, you know, things, especially before even any fans get a chance to, to see it and judge for themselves. Like, yeah, pe- you know, people are like there's no embargoes or whatever. And that's that's basically the news they gave me. Fits. It's like, come on. Like, I, I I understand it. Like I said a long time ago, I get if you don't like uh, Peter Jackson's King Kong. I get it. It's a long movie. It's self-indulgent. So there, there are there are special effects that are, you know, iffy back in 2005 but it is also a movie where a 16 foot gorilla drop kicks a tyrannosaurus rex so <laughs> i don't know where the boy in you is <laughs> that that doesn't exactly. appreciate something like that just just for the sake of it you know so i get it it's not something you want it you're going to sit through at, at on your you know on leisure moments but at least give it its due that it's doing its its damnedest to try to entertain you and that's all. There's plenty of things I don't like, you know, so I get it. Oh, but. yeah. Yeah. And, and, and also, I mean, the fact that this guy, like you said, he's commenting on something that the public hasn't seen simply because he had the privilege. And that's the key word, the privilege of seeing it ahead of its, you know, actual public drop. Exactly. And we've seen this before. I mean, this is this is the this is the the foundation of critical film review. You know, I was I was just when I was trolling through articles earlier, I ran across one, you know, about that, you know, reviewers won't review new mutants because they don't feel that there's enough safety measures in place at the theaters so that the 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 screenings that the studios have set up, the reviewers aren't going to. You know, the movie cannot cut a break, man. It really can't. Uh, <laughs> and, I, and I just and I just saw actually today, I just saw the first the first one I've seen online, uh, uh, Hollywood Reporter has their review up. And oh. uh, just from their title uh, on a tweet, it didn't sound like it was all that positive. Now, it, it didn't sound bad, but it just didn't sound glowing. 
which it, you know honestly I, i'm i'm a, I, I know i'll i know i won't be able to stay away from reviews on it but i, I am honestly going to do my best to not read any reviews of it because it's it's a it's a superhero movie but it's also a darker yeah the it's horror a darker to it. yeah it's a darker version of you know that particular universe and I, I i think you know short of the dialogue being horrendous and or the acting being bad which with that cast i really can't see uh i, I i'm i'm really looking forward to that i, I I've, I've had to sit here and, and kind of bite my tongue for two and a half years but you know i'm really looking forward to to new mutants as soon as the first trailer i ever saw for this back when they, at the end at 17 when they put it out uh, I was on board a hundred percent, you know, and this was back when still, when DC was still planning to do uh, uh, a, a live action justice league, dark movie, uh, you know, and if you don't oh, yeah, know who yeah. the, who the characters are in justice league, dark, I mean, it's a, it'd be, a, I, I can't even fathom how cool that would be, especially in the hands of uh, uh, they had Doug Lyman on board with that project for a year uh-huh. before finally they just, fucking shit the bed so many times with it. he was just like fuck it i gotta go i got yeah, things i got i got, I got movies to, I, I got movies to make you know i gotta send tom cruise into space so you know anyway oh the best thing i've seen uh, in any of the dc marvel universes lately doom patrol did you like it wow it. okay uh both That's seasons uh, I always see one. I gotta go get the other okay. the second one i like doom patrol i like i like i like brendan fraser i like matt Brommer, and i quite enjoyed umbrella academy yeah yeah, Umbrella Academy is is pretty impressive. Season two of Umbrella Academy was really good. I think it's it, it's superior to the yeah. first season. I I enjoyed the first season, but it was one of those things where the things that bothered me about it outweighed the things I liked about it, and that, and the things that probably bothered me were unique to me, but there were just certain quirks, and they just uh-huh. they just rolled right through it in the second season. Like there was it everything that I had wanted them to do for season one, they did in season two. So I was pleasantly surprised. Right, and I but I, I quite enjoy Doom Patrol. So I'm New Mutants. Don't I don't know anything about. It. I just I just look through their character list. I like the actors. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is there, are the New Mutants the one with the big dog? It's a bear, but yes. Maisie Williams had done this like a year before Game of Thrones ended, a year or two okay. years before Game of Thrones ended. So I mean, it tells yeah. you how long ago this stupid I movie know. was. It's fucking crazy. The other thing that I just remembered that oh by the way Latham again if you haven't seen it they dropped another new trailer for raised by wolves yeah i saw i finally did you watch the new one yeah it, holy I, I, shit dude yeah i'm on i'm on board for that that's gonna holy crap does that look cool i don't know um, how that's that could be did you, uh, did you get to see peninsula yet uh no i haven't i haven't watched it yet yeah me neither i'm a little worried i gotta watch the original so the train to Busan. Um, yep. The other thing, the other little piece of uh, information that I ran across this past week, actually over the weekend, which I was super ecstatic about, uh, they released the first stills from Mike Flanagan's new Netflix series, the sequel to Haunting of Hill House. Oh, cool. The Haunting of Bly Manor, which he... Haunting of Hill House, great. Yes, it was fucking fantastic. He has, he absolutely turned a corner in his career. And as of, as of the Haunting of Hill House series, I feel that he really has yet to take a misstep. Uh, so honestly, anything he does at this point, I'm, I'm on board with 100%. What else has he done besides uh, Dr. Sleep after uh, Hill House? Gerald's Game on Netflix. That, that came after? Yep. 
Okay. Is that uh, that's Steve, a Stephen King? That's Stephen yeah. King as well. Yeah. Really yeah, I good. Think he's just making all Stephen King movies and books and stuff. Well, Haunting a Blind Manor is not, and his oh. actually actually his next project is not. But uh, yeah, okay. But either way, I, I'm I'm a hundred percent on board. He said it's going to be more. You know, it's one thing that they learned about. You know, in Haunting of Hill House was you know the 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 insertion of ghosts and having things around that you know are going to be that he said, there's going to be a ton of that stuff just kind of hidden in the background all over the place. He said, the people are going to have a field day just kind of unpacking. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. Cool. It was one of my, one of my highlights of a couple of years ago was, was catching that as soon as it came out before it kind of anyone else had before a lot of other people had jumped on board with it. And I was just, I was touting it from the fucking treetops when for everyone I knew just be like, dude, well, you've got to watch this. It's so good. Okay, we're gonna watch it soon. Yeah, it's 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 a, and it's a lot of fun, lay because it's one of those things you can go back to, and uh, it's got a, it's got a it's got at least a, a definite rewatchability around a second cycle because the second time around, you can spot a lot of stuff that you missed the first time. Yeah, all the ghosts and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, just like cameras panning across from one from across a hallway or something, and you're like, wait a second, was there somebody fucking standing over there? And you go back, <laughs> and there is, and it's fucking creepy as shit, but just awesome okay yeah, cool. okay all right from there we are going to go on fun begins <laughs> we are going to go on to an entirely different film sadly i uh, turn off the keyboard steve's guilty pleasure johnny mnemonic i have a lot of them from 1995 directed by robert longo with a running time of 96 minutes in our near technological future, a data courier who transports large amounts of information in his own head races to unload before either the Yakuza or the data itself kills him. Steve, why? I love William Gibson. I love William I love, Gibson, love, too. Love this short story. Gotta say, love me some Keanu Reeves. And let's get down to brass tacks. Ice-T and Henry Rollins. Can you imagine what craft services was like? <laughs> you're not even wow. you're not even counting Dolph Lundgren. You're right. How great is this movie? It is just '90s excess. Dumb as the day is long. Keanu Reeves being Keanu Reeves, Rollins being Rollins. The villains are yeah. Hen- Henry does not play another character. Henry plays himself. Let's be let's be straight. Full on. Um, well, I love Cyberpunk. Like I love William Gibson. Like this one is close. This one has. All it ticks all the right boxes. Are they good boxes? Nah. Are they fun boxes? Sure. Uh, the, guns, the guns are big. The guns look good. The 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 tech the tech is almost plausible in places. Um, and it's also another view of near future. Blade Runner technically took place last year, and this one and Giant Demonic technically takes place next year. Right. So it's near future as opposed to far future. Yeah, and the the other thing that blows me away about this film is this movie precedes The Matrix by only four years, and you look at those two films. Oh, nice! And you're and you're and you're talking about you you wouldn't even believe that those were made inside the same decade, let alone you know. Oh, no, it's like a school project versus within versus four years of each other. Yeah, Latham. 
Uh, actually, technically, it's Hassan's turn because Latham. Oh, all right. Well, That's good call, Steve. Good call, I'm directing Hassan. Hassan, would you like to weigh in on Johnny Mnemonic? No. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, this entire movie is is this entire movie is the dest, uh, dystopian future that would have happened if we had not developed thumb drives. <laughs> That's the whole film. Like, yeah. I've got data. I need you to carry this data to Newark. I, mean, I need to put it in your brain instead of putting it on this little thumb drive. I need to carve out. I've got more room on this thumb drive well, than he had thing. his whole brain. <laughs> you, know what's, you know what's cool is that cool little optical disc they had that was like two and a half inches in diameter that had the data on it. I'm yeah. like, that's that's cooler that tech than the fucking stick it in his yeah. head. And those things are like only 700 megs. You know, like I don't even understand what the... Well, clearly it was multi-layer, so I mean, you know. Yeah, all right, fine. Look, it's a, it is it is completely a guilty pleasure movie. It is it is extremely nineties. It was nineteen ninety five, so it was extremely nineties. It was I I liken it to Cat People, where it was so of the time. Yeah, so insistent on the stylized uh, atmospherics of the uh, of the era that it didn't even realize it was dating itself, like like tremendously. Yeah, um, was on point. Well, okay. You're oh, gonna, you're gonna, Runner. Are you gonna you gonna be defensive about this? You no, guys? I think it's this is gonna hurt, dude. <laughs> oh, this is, <laughs> it sucks in such a good way. That's what I said. It fascinates me. I, I don't. I don't. Too. I don't agree with you, sir. I think you it sucks have. in a bad way. <laughs> Nothing has changed. It sucks like it hurts. It really does. Like, okay, Ice Ice T just shows up, and Ice T's like, hey. Uh, the low-tech secret lair is that bridge over there, just in case you need to know that later, even though we're a secret underground organization <laughs> that's trying to thwart the government. With good um, makeup practices. <laughs> no one will find us here. Yeah. <laughs> no one will be able to tell that I'm the leader with the anarchist A tattooed between my it's, eyes. It's uh, the fridge exactly. inspector's here. God damn it. It is, it is very... Um, it is very form over function. Oh, like oh, it is. It is extremely like this. Will look cool. I don't give a shit whether this makes any sense or not. <laughs> and like, like the whole beginning was like, God, Johnny is basically one of these, uh, you know, I don't, I don't give a fuck type dudes who's like, I don't want to get involved. I'm not part of this thing, whatever. And it, he, he gets this download that is uh, that exceeds his memory. Uh, threshold and they don't really explain why he did it you know I guess just to because this is they don't they don't really give you the the uh, the catalytic look they this do. is my this is my last job right and then I can get out well, you know but they don't they don't over they don't overdo it like no. so he's like okay I'll do it then the Yakuza break in because that's what happens you know when you go to when you over uh, you overload yeah. the, memory, the Yakuza breaks in and then so he takes the Yakuza guy out in the in the in the bathroom and you know that because because i could do that you know that's how you you, you just you, you, you just slap around a yakuza guy right next time so. knock <laughs> that wasn't the yakuza guy that was hired muscle they were yakuza okay so only that one okay the only the, the, the all right, fine. he was yakuza everyone else is just fine yeah mr mr filament mr mr filament in his thumb laser thumb yeah <laughs> That was his character's name, Laser Thumb. 
there was some there's there are some interesting things in it, but it was so stylized it was really hard to get into. And I am not one for acting. I don't talk about acting. I don't know good acting from bad acting. Sure I don't you do. know I don't know do. what makes a good Klingon <laughs> versus what makes a bad Klingon, you know, so I'm just but I do know dialogue. And but you know it when you see it. There's really bad dialogue in this film. It's like porn. You know good acting when you see it. Hey, hey, Hassan, remember when we watched Bugsy Malone? Steve, don't help. Don't help me. Remember when (laughs) we watched Bugsy Malone? Remember, okay, remember Jodie Foster? Yes. Remember everybody else in that movie? Yeah, yeah. Her just wiping the floor with everybody else. You actually made a point about (laughs) how she stood head and shoulders above everyone else. That's not true. But it's not... It's not, but I, what I'm talking about is like, I don't, I, I still don't know. I knew Jodie Foster was a better actor than older, but I mean, she, you put her next to kids. That's not, that's not hard for a man of my intelligence to, to discern right well, there. She was a kid at the time. The dialogue in this movie is not good. No. no, no and, and, and I mean, like the whole Dr. Allcome joke, and it's like, oh my God. Like it, and, and they actually dragged that out for like two scenes before Rollins is like, it's Dr all come and <laughs> you're like oh come on dude we knew we already we were ahead of you henry hank yeah. hank hank and also hank hank you're a shitty doctor hank you do not convince me that you're a doctor <laughs> no he does not go out of his way to, like he's not even like a good like crowd <laughs> like street like medic type no <laughs> he was like, "Fuck, I'm dead." He still just comes across as angry. Yeah, he's so yeah, angry. and he's just hungry. and he's Henry Rollins. That's all. I was like, "Oh, look, it's Henry uh, Rollins yeah. Yeah. <laughs> with a doctor coat off." Yeah, I, I mean, love Henry Rollins. I love yes, him, but, I, as do I. But if you, I'm I mean, a, I, honestly, my favorite role has is either like I loved him as a police officer in Bad Boys, The Chase, in The Chase, in The Chase. Right. And he was also in Bad Boy Two. Uh, Bad Boys Two is as sw- one of the SWAT members. Uh, That's okay. right. Yeah. That's right. I, He's great. Both he and Ice T are great when they play cops because they hate cops. <laughs> Look, it's not a it's not a terrible movie. I can, I get it. I I totally get yeah. why you enjoy it. It's not a movie I'll be watching again. because no, it's yes. it's extremely stylized. It's it's so stylized that I it, it kept it kept knocking me out of the the narrative. You know, like why while he's while while the dolphin is trying to unlock the information in his head, <laughs> is it is it being projected on the ceiling? Yeah, no. you know, with no explanation, like what the fuck is going on? Here? They probably and why is it? And why is the dolphin from Lawnmower Man? What probably say had, that again? They had, like they probably had time left on the mainframe. Yes, yes. Because those graphics are exactly the same. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. I literally, I wish I could show you the screen, but I literally just brought up Lawnmower Man on IMDb because I wanted to check the date. The year, yeah. Those those graphics at the end just remind me so much of of Lawnmower Man. The other other kind of thing is there's a conceit about thing, uh, you know, uh, um, about human superiority in and of itself and the, the idea or the understanding that we would be more in touch with or more a compassionate uh, species the, and as the years go by. And we still have a super intelligent dolphin in the smallest fish tank you can possibly imagine. You know, it's like, how is this helpful to the dolphin? <laughs> you know, and they're talking about the dolphins. Like, yeah, he used to, he used to, you know, he used to, he used to work for the Navy, discerning blah blah blah, and enemy ships, and like, okay, and now you're keeping him in a, in a coffin, 
Yeah, but you make this around <laughs> with dirty water, like yeah. and algae all over the all in the water that he's that he's hanging out in. <laughs> That's that can't be helping the dolphin, you know. <laughs> so so just there's there a thing like it's okay. That's a cute idea, but you're killing that dolphin. You know, the dolphin that will virtually swim around Keanu's head to unlock the information that's locked in his head because you don't have a thumb drive. So, and that's the only thing I could think of the whole film is like, why? If these guys had a thumb only drive. I had, if only there was USB. Yeah, if Keanu was running around with a thumb drive and he was John Wicking everybody who came across him so he could hand that thumb drive <laughs> off, this would be the greatest movie ever made. That's it would have literally been the greatest movie well, ever made. It's sort of like uh, William Gibson talking about his first book, that like two-thirds of his first book would be useless if people had cell phones. Yeah. <laughs> and he's and like, I mean, hey, you can't yeah, predict yeah, it. I know cell phones man. were invented, but when I wrote this book on a manual typewriter and came up with the term cyberpunk, it, it just didn't occur to me. It's just it. I was watching some stuff because of because because of these two guys. Mr. Prue has unlocked the enthusiasm or the the obsessive compulsive need to devour everything that is Arthur C. Clarke now because we did a we did a show oh, about two thousand one a couple of weeks ago, and so I'm. I'm watching one of the documentaries because there's about a thousand of them on, uh, on uh, excuse me, on YouTube. And they're talking about how science fiction has failed to predict just about everything that we have. Like the closest thing that, that, that came to fruition was the Star Trek communicator because we had those flip phones. And that's like yeah. the closest thing we have. And also uh, uh, like pads, like, uh, like uh, tablets. Yeah. But everything else is everything else is not working. Like it just doesn't, you know, like the, like the, the, the video in uh, 2001 about the future and the guy opens his briefcase and there's like a typewriter in there and a dial phone, <laughs> like a, a rotary phone in, yeah. in his briefcase. And it's like, okay, you guys kind of had it, but, but holy shit, you're far off. And so watching this, it's kind of, it's kind of one of those circumstances where it's a great premise, but it's slightly ruined because the solution that we came up with is so benign now. And it's so common in our, in our everyday life now, you know, like you could get a, you could get a 90 gigabyte thumb drive now, which, which far exceeds, I'm sorry. Yeah. 128 for like, yeah. Which, well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Which far exceeds his brain capacity, you know? So, like, the main MacGuffin of the movie would not have been necessary. And I, it is my fault that I couldn't get past that. I was having a hard time getting past that watching this movie. I do not blame the movie. I believe, come on, Latham. Come on. Come on, dude. It's downloading. I just yeah. plugged a terabyte into my head, all right? Yeah. I'm sorry, Hassan. No, it's all right. Um, it's no, it's totally cool. I I like seeing Dina Meyer because there was there was not enough of her. Her in, first film there never is yeah, in the in the in the nineties. I think there was this movie, one other movie, and Starship Troopers. Oh, I love you know, yeah, and she, she was also on Beverly Hills Nine Hundred Two One Zero. Yes, the but that was but like but movie. I mean, they're fun parts of this movie. Like when he puts on the the goggles and gets the gloves out and actually does like like yeah that the manual. Like, there that, there that, is that, some that, that might be the best scene in the movie. I'd be mad. But it was fun to watch. That's Minority Report. 
before Minority Report. Okay, Dick. So, so, uh, so William Gibson went to see Blade Runner when it came out, and apparently he walked out after the first 20 minutes of the film because he was so upset by the fact that there was so many similarities between what was happening in Blade Runner and uh, his draft of Neuromancer. He was, he, he was, uh, yeah, exactly. He was like, God damn it. <laughs> you gotta get, gotta get used to that, dude. Now, have you ever have you ever seen have you ever seen William Gibson? Of course. So I the first time I ever went to go see one of his readings, I never seen the dude, never heard him talk. I thought he was gonna be like, oh, like Clyde Barker, like a very well put together like techno man. And his no. big like six foot four Georgia Cracker dude shows up. Yeah, with like a crazy head of hair. And I'm like, oh well, he's probably like very well educated. And he at that time, this would have been early nineties, had this most southern, had a way more southern accent than I do. Yeah. And he just started talking. I'm just like, oh no, this is not what <laughs> it's all ruined. <laughs> and now he lives in Vancouver and he and he he does not speak the way, but that was like, I'm just like, you're a six foot four cracker from Georgia who talks like it. Right. Latham, thoughts? Yeah, that movie was not good. I, I mean you think, you think I was bad, Steve. Wait wait for this. Wait I, for mean, this. I, just, I don't he's gonna sway me, so I don't really care. <laughs> It's yeah, not no, swaying. It's just no. that he's not going to be gentle. He's going to punch oh, you. I'm, I'm aware. I'm aware <laughs> no, I see, you yeah. can like whatever you want. It's art. It's fine. I just, I don't have a problem with how it looks or the tech. I mean, I don't, I really don't have a problem with it for most of the film. I have a problem with William Gibson writing this screenplay. And if, if he's that good of an author, I mean, boy, he just butchered this. Hassan nailed it. The dialogue is is just really difficult to listen to. I mean, I watched it with Amaya last night, my daughter, and I mean, she's giggling and laughing. And I know she's seen a lot and been trained by me, but she kept looking at me like, boy, is this bad. Like, are you serious, Dad? Are you serious? Is this bad? Why? Why? Dad? Am I being punished? Am I being punished? <laughs> yeah, what did I do? I... <laughs> she's just going to kick me in the nuts. <laughs> you made me my dad watch that movie. And... And, and that's, I mean, usually in a film, one actor steps up, like you were saying with um, Bugsy Malone, like Jodie Foster stepped up and overshadows everyone. I, I don't think anyone here steps up. I don't think anyone's good or campy or it, it's either a result of the screenplay and the dialogue or they just, no one here was good yet. You would think that, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, Dolph Lundgren had finally figured out how to fucking act by the time this movie had come out, okay? But I, I just, I, I, it's weird that I didn't see it when it came out. And while I was watching, I'm like, well, finally, you made a good decision about not seeing a movie when it came out in the theater. I just, wow. I, I really, and, and um, as, as Steve was talking about, like the scene with the, with his hands and stuff, at that point in the film, when they get to the bridge hideout and it, it started to seem like it was going to try and redeem itself at least a little bit or come to the main point of its themes. And, you know, and then the, there's this fucking dolphin in the tank and the dolphin's like, I, I don't know. Hey, I just, hey, I'm here to help you. Yeah, and <laughs> the dolphin has always irritated me. It, it might, yeah, yeah, the same sound effect every time, almost yeah. like he was mocking everyone. Like, <laughs> hey, like, 
You're a failure! You know, it's horrible. <laughs> and then I guess the dolphin subplot on the boys kept going into my mind like, well, that was done so much better than this. Um, <laughs> and I just, I don't know. We haven't, I, I see what Hassan means when he compares it to like cat people. Like it's it's of the age of when it came out, but man, I, 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 just, I just didn't like it. And I, I won't. Yeah, at at its core, it's not very good. Uh, you know, yeah. let's call it let's call it spade a spade. It's I mean, not, he's adapting it's, his own story. Why wouldn't you really, well, really try and nail it and try and get it? So, so one of the things about this is, is Gibson himself has, in effect, disowned the standard American release cut of this film. He says that the studio had their way with it after him and Longo had kind of moved off of it. And he says that there is a, and this is, uh, I would love to track it down and try and see if I can get my hands on it. But apparently there is another cut of this that was released in Japan. Uh, has a lot more of Takeshi Kitano in it. He said that film, the Japanese cut, he says is closer to his vision of the film than the American and international cut. Okay. So other than that, but you, it still doesn't, it doesn't uh, forgive the, the meanderings yeah, of nine minutes. Okay. And it doesn't forgive the meanderings of the, of the dialogue or the delivery or the acting or lack thereof. I mean, it's still, that still is what it is. You know, you can add nine more minutes or take nine minutes away at the end of the day. It still has, Keanu Reeves standing on top of a trash pile, you know, yelling he, that he wants a $10,000 a night hooker. So, you know, and a Mexican beer, a cold and, Mexican, and a Mexican beer, beer and pressed yeah, shirt. I, I don't know and, if they thought that was clever or and, and pressed shirts I mean, like at the Imperial hotel. I think, I think if you, if you look at that film really um, it's, it's really strange because 2001 was made before the moon landing. Right? There was there was very little frame of reference for the future. And there's a lot of stuff in 2001 that they didn't quite get right. Um, and then there's a lot of stuff that they predicted that we would have that we still don't have. We don't have super – we don't have, like, a how. We do have very smart computers, but we don't, we don't have a how. We're, we're not interstellar, uh, an interstellar species. Um, we, don't, we don't have Pan Am. We don't even have Pan Am, yeah. We did. But there was art – in the speculation and that's what makes the movie a work of art in and of itself that's what makes the movie an enjoyable thing to rediscover uh johnny mnemonic seems to sort of pander to the technology to the the technological boom that was just going on so that they can use a lot of sequences to to overpower the special effects um so that they could make a grand spectacle yeah. with very, and and it was like a kitchen kitchen sink trendy yeah. itch you know kind of thing whereas if they had just cuz i'm sure the book is is another piece of speculative art if they had just encompassed you know tried to try to embody the book it wouldn't have mattered all the all the technology that they got wrong cuz cuz and, and they couldn't have known but all the technology that they got wrong would have been charming, like like two thousand one is, as opposed to this is such a blatant piece of of nineties like hubris 
you know, uh, uh, of art, like it just like pop art that, that, that's very mo- much more interested in, in being top dollar spectacle than it is trying to be a piece of work that will be, that will be admired years and years down the line. Right. That it, it, it seriously suffers. Now I, I get why it's the same thing I said about the King Kong. I get why people like it. I get why you like it, Steve. I, I, it, there's nothing wrong with liking it. It's, it's, it's an adventure. It's a, it's a fucking experience. It really is. But it's just really weird to take something like this. That is a, that is kind of a relic now due to where the technology of the, of today is. And I had forgotten all about this movie. I'd seen it um, when I was much younger. I'd seen it in the nineties when I was much younger. Right. I'd forgotten all about it. So I forgot like, like how many solutions we have to all the problems that are, that are in this movie. So it was a kind of a fascinating experience, but I think the way it was made stopped it from being a piece of art and just made it into like, something, well, something that's, else. Yeah. yeah. Remember, remember one thing about this movie though. Remember who made it? It's a Sony movie. So there's the video game involved mm-hmm. that never, that's there's what I soundtrack mean. And an entire, there was an entire soundtrack promo cycle that went with it that, um, I that was I was involved in the music industry in that capacity at that time. Didn't work that project, so it was the problem is is like where they the movie was kind of dumbed down just so it could be done as a video game because Sony Sony encapsulate encapsulates everything. So this movie doesn't actually stand on its own. Yeah, it stands on the backs of weaker and other things. So a couple of the interesting things I found out about this in in, in digging around. Um, so this film was directed by uh, an American contemporary artist named Robert Longo. This is his only feature film. Wow. The only movie, only movie he ever made. Uh, he directed some music videos, his first of which was New Order's Bizarre Love Triangle. He, wow. also, he also directed Megadeth Peace Cells. That 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 would be the one, as well as REM's the one I love. Wow, they all have similar uh, effects in them. And so, so this movie is his one and only, and the last thing according to IMDb that he directed. He didn't. He moved away from directing after this uh, and back into American contemporary art. So him and Gibson originally teamed up on this to make this a very small art film with a budget for about a million and a half dollars. And they couldn't find financing from anybody to make the film they wanted to make. However, Sony is settle for a blockbuster. Well, eventually Sony got involved and ponied up 30 million to make the movie. Oh, wow. And, he goes, he basically he said it basically became a $30 million movie because we couldn't get a million and a half, which is crazy, oh, but I want to see that million and a half dollar movie. <laughs> yes. You know, I bet you that movie would have had a lot more artistic integrity. Eh, probably. Well, book is, it's only like 60 pages. Like it's a short story. Right. Right. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, it may have been, it may have been originally a short film, you know, who knows? Um, at one point, Christopher Lambert was in contention for the lead role, which is not surprising at the time. <laughs> Originally set to star Val Kilmer. Oh, wow. 
But once once he was offered the role of Batman and Batman Forever, he bailed. And yeah. and Keanu Reeves took over, which is ironic because immediately after Batman Forever, Kilmer played Christian Hairless in Heat, a role that Keanu Reeves had been earlier in talks with, but then eventually turned down. So yeah. go imagine those two very different films. I wonder if Keanu's wig and he would have been better than Val's. Yeah. I I couldn't picture Keanu in Heat. I don't know about the Johnny Mnemonic thing. I I could see Kilmer in Johnny Mnemonic easily. I I could see Kilmer in anything. That man's a living, that man's a national fucking treasure. So early on in development, Bono was in talks to come in and supervise the soundtrack and possibly possibly pay the street preacher. Well, (laughs) instead he played it in real life. Right. Um, And so to Steve's point uh, and comments earlier, three musical scores were made for this film. The first was composed by a band called Black Rain at the request of Robert Longo and was not used in the film anywhere. Uh, It was subsequently released on a CD album as a separate issue, but never actually had anything to do with the film. The second was composed by Michael Dana and is still featured in the Japanese version of the film. And the third score is the one by Brad Fidel that was done by the request of Sony and is featured in the internationally released version of the film. Hmm. So again, attached to this, depending on what version you see, you know, you get a different soundtrack out because this was the era of big soundtracks, right? Like judgment night, the crow, which is still one of the best soundtracks to ever be released. For sure. Um, Spawn. Yep. So they were like, they, so this soundtrack has like all the big Sony artists, including Rollins. Right. Stabbing Westward. Um, oh, yeah. Oh. Love Stabbing There's a good Westward. soundtrack solid. It's, it's better than, it's, Hideaway was a better soundtrack, worse movie though. Which one was Hideaway? Hideaway had a really good soundtrack. No. Shitty movie. Which, which movie is that? Hideaway? What's? Jeff Goldblum. Oh, that's the one where he survives a car accident, but he's all altered, and there's a there's a a lot of club scenes in that one. Hmm. There's a lot of club scenes in that. Yeah, it's a it's Uh, a strange movie where in and it's not a spoiler. He survives a car accident in the very beginning of the film, but there is some kind of alteration that goes on that that had that helped him survive, and then slowly starts to chip away at his personality like an entity enters him while he out you know like the hidden no it's not it's okay completely (laughs) it's not that tangible it's much more kind of esoteric kind of suggested you know kind of thing all right well you know what i i honestly think at this point we should probably just go down the tubes and again, the internet is not something that you just dump something on. It's not a big truck. It's, it's a series of tubes. Oh. Yeah, world's fastest giant amount because I have, I have to go. Okay. Giant amount. You, Wes, the first poster is the U.S. Advance. Hey, you can tell her we had first dibs on you, okay? That's just the way it goes. Not going to uh, tell her anything about us whatsoever. That's probably true. <laughs> um, so, uh, 
meet the ultimate hard drive. There you go. I mean, that's yeah, it gives you everything you need to yeah. know. Right, meet a man in need of a thumb drive. That's meet all. Man, longer it's barely in this movie. And then in the in the need of a shark skin suit. <laughs> the so next is the standard release uh, Johnny Mnemonic poster uh, mm. and used for uh, almost all of the DVD original DVD releases. Yeah, it's um, one I remember. Eventually, they moved on to an image of a close-up of Keanu's face and some sort of digital kind of rainbowy matrix stuff behind as an alternative. But um, uh, next uh, is Italy, which is just a couple of stills mashed together. Awful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, next oh. is the Japan, where it was marketed as JM, the film, not Johnny Mnemonic, but just JM. And Takeshi was got co-billing with him because obviously if you're going to sell a movie in Japan, Japan, why wouldn't you put the established Japanese actor at the top of the bill? Next was a cool uh, alternative Blu-ray release uh, cover, which I kind of like. I don't know the artist. Okay. But uh, I rather like the image. Dina Meyer doesn't look much like Dina Meyer, but Udo Kier definitely looks like Udo Kier. Yeah, he's not hard. (laughs) He's not a hard one to capture. He's so, he's so fucking great. I love Udo Kier. Next is a, a piece by Ronan Chuat. I like it. Um, yeah, I just, I just wish, I just wish Johnny Demong looked a bit more like Keanu Reeves. Well, what's the hair? They screwed up his hair. Yeah. Uh, he screwed up his chin. You think so? I think that's. I think that's Keanu's chin. Yeah, I don't. That's too too far off. Uh, next is a quasi Japanese poster made by a design uh, group called Terror Factory. Yeah, what the hell, dude? Yeah, it's just <laughs> what the hell. Fun with design. It yeah. pulse-pounding cyber slam. The danger's all in his head. Jam. That's right. Uh, next, we have a piece that I do not know the artist. I don't think you need to. <laughs> yeah, I don't, you know. they found, I don't know where they found that dude's face. That's not. Yeah, it's not anybody. Yeah, that's just, just an average cutout. It's a clip. It's a, it's, a piece of, it's a piece of clip art. Yeah, yeah, it's garbage. And then the next is a piece by Voislav Yankovic. This is from the comic book. No, this was just a, a fan art piece off DeviantArt, actually. Okay, I was about to ask if this is DeviantArt. Yeah, because you got Henry, you got Dina Meyer, uh, Ice T, and I'm not exactly sure. Udo is up in that left corner. No, no, I was going to ask. Um, it's fine. Probably a filament guy. Uh, yeah, maybe. So that's all the posters for Johnny Mnemonic. Not a lot to uh, be had. Not a really big popular um, choice for people to do fan art images of. Uh, so the only thing we have left, Steve, uh, if you will, we'll let you comment first, so you can you can bounce. You bail. So we do a little piece called the Martini at the end, where we discuss where this film ranks in the Ridley Scott oeuvre of filmmaking. So, so what I've done is I've put together two lists and it's uh, one is the top seven films on Rotten Tomatoes by grade and is bottom seven films by grade. So uh, at the top and working my way down, you have alien at 98 uh, blade runner, the final cut at 92 the Duelist at 92, The Martian at 91, Thelma and Louise, 84, All the Money in the World, 79, Gladiator, 77. And from the bottom up, we have A Good Year, 25. Wow. 
Exodus, Gods and Kings, 30. 1492, 32. The Counselor, 33. Legend, 38. Kingdom of Heaven, 39. Oh, that's not going to make you guys happy. No, it will not. And Hannibal, also 39. And everything else falls in between. So. Yeah, that, those are, that list is bullshit. <laughs> There's some bad movies on here, dude. There, he, has, he has, for his breadth of filmmaking, he has made some questionable films. You're 100% correct. I mean, they're not terrible. They're just, you know. But as far as my choice for his best film, uh, I think this has the two top ones right in order. Uh, it's Alien, Alien and Blade Runner. Uh, they're know, in my I'm, top five of him. Uh, yeah, I, I would put Gladiator higher than seventy-seven, and certainly Kingdom of Heaven. Yeah, maybe. I, mean, I don't, and I don't have a problem with The Martian being up in the nineties. Steve, do you have any uh, any input? Um, I, really, Johnny, I really love. Um, I love The Counselor. I thought that was a great movie. Yeah, that's his weirdest movie, that but has it's so decent. many neat characters in it, and just so many neat little things. Wow. I'm not sure I've ever heard anyone speak positively about the counselor. So it's unique. Okay. Oh, it's a good. It's a, it's very watchable. Okay. Um, I quite. Um, I tend to like when it comes to Ridley Scott. It's pretty much this or Alien. Um, right. Alien's a great horror film set in space, and this is a great. I like them both. I like Blade Runner better. I'd I'd watch Blade Runner before I watch Alien. Okay. Me too. That's fair Alien enough. Before I watch Alien. Okay. Cool. Well, I'm a for the action adventurer. Listen, Steve, we will let you go so you can get out of there and uh, meet your showgirl. Um, thank you so much. This was awesome. Next mm-hmm. time, Thanks, Steve. video chat because I'm wearing a suit. And looking hey, worked great. out well for your date, though, didn't it, smart guy? You can see. Look how good I look in the suit, though. I know. I'm just saying. Look how easy it was to go back when you'd, when all, you know, so it worked out. Did you send one picture of, of you in a suit to a drug showgirl? Things happen. That hopefully involved the suit not being on for very long. Um, to those of you I know well, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you both. I love you all, says Ozzy. Um, this was great. I'm sorry I had to bail, but um, no, you're good. And I, you, and I quite enjoyed y'all's thoughts on both Blade Runner and Giant Mnemonic. And I don't disagree with anything that was said about Giant Mnemonic. I just think it's a fun, done film. Of course, fair enough. A hundred percent. That's that's all. That's the whole point, Steve. I am a William Gibson apologist. I love William Gibson. <laughs> <laughs> so it doesn't. It like he's written some shitty books, but no, he's never written shitty books. He's written some shitty stories, and some of them don't hold up as well. Like once again, Neuromancer falls apart if people had cell phones. Yeah, but even still, of the time oh, though, I oh, mean, when yeah, you, when, when it first came out, oh, Neuromancer was amazing. Oh, I blew blew my mind. Like literally changed my life. So, yeah. sort of, and I and I'm excited to play Cyberpunk 2077 if it ever comes out. Oh boy, yeah, right. Soon, soon. So All right, like, Steve. Thank you so much again. Appreciate it, buddy. All y'all, and I'm, I'm interested to hear the breakdown of what y'all think of the rest of Ridley Scott's movies. Well, you'll definitely hear when uh, when it goes up when the podcast comes up. <laughs> Have a good night. All right, buddy. All right, see you. Bye, Steve. Bye. Bye. Uh, I think my top five are going to be interesting. I'm going to go Alien, Blade Runner. Uh, Black Hawk Down's got to be up there. That's mm. a great movie. Probably Kingdom of Heaven. And then, I mean, 
Blackhawk down is 76. I, I, a lot of these are three-star movies, in my opinion. Like, yep. good, they're not great. But one I really liked above the others was uh, Someone to Watch Over Me. I think that's an underrated thriller. It's really good. Um, I, uh, it's rated at 67, and I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, Did you see it? Yes, I saw it when it came out, yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's pretty suspenseful. I, I listen at the end of the day. I I'm always going to have a much higher opinion of Covenant and Prometheus than the masses as well. Oh yeah. Um, I mean Prometheus is 73 and Covenant is 65. Neither of those below belong that low. Neither of them be, should be that low. But you know, I, I get it. It's it is what it is. I gotta just grab my book here. I mean, you know, some of the other middle of the pack stuff is you know White Squall. Uh, Jeff Bridges yeah. teaching teaching sailing to a bunch of kids. Body of Lies is overrated. If, if it's at all rated, I don't. It's, it's a fifty three. I I I used to love that movie. Um, Which one? I GI Jane. Oh, GI Jane. Okay. Yeah, I like that movie a lot. Listen, I, in general, I'm a big fan of Ridley Scott as a filmmaker. I, I like his. I like the the slickness and the and the everything he brings to to a movie making uh, uh, style. I like, I like the look and feel of pretty much anything he does. I think that in the long run, you know, like you get some of the things that he's chosen to do. I mean, a lot, and, and honestly, most of his stuff that's considered bad other than kingdom of heaven, which I just don't fucking get uh, being that low. Uh, I understand why people hate legend. I get it. I just, I, that movie will always hold a, a really special place with me. Um, other than that, most of his other low rated stuff I've never seen. I've never seen Goodyear, Exodus, 1492, The Counselor. Uh, That's a, not a good movie. Which one? 1492. Now, was that is, is his the one with uh Depardieu? Yeah, okay. Um, I gave it two and a half. I wrote Yawning Columbus, Yawning Free. <laughs> wow. Uh, you know, Robin Hood, 43. I think that's a better movie than that. Uh, not that much movie? better, though. The Cause, the, the Robin Hood. Or, oh, that's oh, Russell Crowe. No, that was not The Cause. That's the Russell Crowe one. Yes, yeah, Russell Crowe. That's why it's not that great. Black Rain is decent, not great. I like Black Rain. I like Black Rain. Uh, Thelma and Louise, I- I'm sorry. I just I can't Academy Award. I know. I I I, I, I I agree with you to an extent, Leon. I don't understand sort of why it kind of took the trajectory that it did. I saw, I mean, I saw it. I thought it was a great movie. I just don't understand why so many people look upon it as this amazing touch. One, t- one of the first feminist pieces. I, I don't, I think that like ending mainstream. that everyone phrases is garbage. I think it's just garbage. I don't think it's, I, I really, I'm trying to find this film. I can't find what I rated it. I think I gave it two and three fourths. What's that? Thelma and Louise. I oh, okay. Find my guy. Yeah, uh, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have Thelma and Louise that high. I don't think. Wow, what the fuck did I give this movie? <laughs> I give it that low. I don't. I can't find it. It's oh, uh, there it is. Two and a half. Wow. Good movie ruined by overused dumb ending. 
How's that for to the point, feminists? Right. Overused, dumb ending. Dumb ending. Uh, I may have written that review when I was younger. Hey. That, that's my guess. I think gladiators. That's in your Weinstein days, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Hannibal's good. Matchstick Men's an interesting movie, but I think it, I think it just miss, misses. I've seen most of Hannibal, and I and I have to say, uh, I don't, I yeah, I don't, I don't see it as being anywhere near as bad as everyone says it was. I, that's another oh, one. No, of the, it's, that's no, a, that's it's, it's a gruesome movie. It's, that's another. Well, yeah, but it's another head. It's it's another one of those fucking head shakers where you're like, so why does I don't get why all the where all the hatred comes from? Because Science of the Lambs was such a big deal. Ah, but come on. Well, that's why. You know, no, I mean, I get it. It's all right. You don't accept that answer, but I mean, I think that's the answer. I, I gave Matchstick Men three and a fourth. Very clever con man slice of life. The three leads are great. Matchstick Men was, uh, uh, that's another one that got sort of uh, mixed, mixed thoughts. What else was there? Um, Looking at this list, uh, oh, America- I'm sorry. The, the Martian's a great movie. That that's just a great yeah. Movie. The Martian is listed as his fourth fourth best rated. That would be in my top five. That would be there yeah. instead of Kingdom of Heaven. I like Kingdom of Heaven, but I put Martian over that. Yeah, and I like and then Minas Honor. Uh, we like. I, I think yeah. I can speak for we both like both versions of that film. Um, yeah, yeah, Kingdom yeah. of Heaven. I, yeah, I don't. There's just something about that movie that just just. I, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to say. I don't want to say speaks to me, but. Uh, there's just something about that movie that just it's a shameless so epic. It's yeah, just a shameless so like good. monster epic. Yep. It's uh yeah, and especially the director's cut with the extra the extra oh movie in God. with the extra movie in it. I remember the first time I saw that, I was like, oh my God, this is like this is not even the same film. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's a completely different. I mean, the the fact that there's the whole story. I mean, there's whole characters and storylines and plots that like that just don't even exist in the regular film. It's like yeah. it's like Eva Green has a kid. Yeah. In the other film that you're like, what? And then they have that epic sword fight at the end. You know, that's like yeah. not even in the theatrical cut. I'm like, holy yeah. shit. How is this not in the film? And still to this day, my favorite, my favorite thing in that movie is at the end when he yields Jerusalem to uh, Saladin. Yeah. And he's just like, you know, what does Jerusalem mean to you? And he just turns around nothing. and just looks at him and says, nothing. nothing. And he goes, and then he stops and turns around again. And he goes, everything. <laughs> that fucking guy. I, 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 I fucking love that guy. Yeah. That, you know what I do all the time to yeah. friends? I'm always like, thank you for your visit. <laughs> thank you for your visit. Thank you for your visit. Oh, God, that's such Get a great scene. the fuck out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and his guy is like, it is like, his, like, lieutenant is ready to cut this dude's head off for, yeah. you know, daring to fucking Dr. Ins- insult Dr. him. Dr. Bashir. <laughs> Dr. Bashir is about to cut that guy's head off. Um, thank you for your visit. Did you, did you've seen uh, Kingdom of Heaven, right? Not Kingdom of Heaven, excuse me. Um. <laughs> Uh, 13th Warrior. You ever see that? Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. I have not. They play the the um, the theme from the 13th Warrior in the scene where uh, Balian surrenders Jerusalem. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's a very quick cue, but they actually played it from that from that film. Oh, really? Yeah, it's awesome. Nice. That's interesting. 
there is a scene at the end of Die Hard. Yep. Um, where I say that's really, yeah that you're referencing it. Yeah. Um, this is a cue from Alien. Aliens? Alien. Aliens. Yes. Yeah. Yep. I always, I referenced I, that in college and tried to explain to people how amazingly like this is from a completely different movie. You know. Yeah, and 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 yet someone decided to use it here and. It's one thing if you use a song in multiple movies, but a score is like that's a little different. It's scored yeah. for a different film, so that's now, the what, scene, what's his name? Yeah, the, yeah. When the guy comes back, it, like that really bad um, Reginald Reginald Bell Johnson, or uh, yeah, but I mean that really bad horror scare where the guy's not dead, the guy who got hung and yeah. and was left hanging is suddenly not dead. It works. I have no issue with it, but it is kind of absurd. Um, the scene in Die Hard where he's about to jump off the roof, where he's on the roof and he's he's pulling the fire hoses out, yeah, and the, the helicopter's coming up. It that is that is Michael Kamen. That is the the cue from Lethal Weapon when Murtaugh is in the desert, and yep. he and uh, and the general's men are coming up on him. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's the same. It's the same. Cue. I can recognize cues like really easily. And I'm after um, after and, Dragonheart and, came out. They use the main theme for Dragonheart for like five or six different yeah. uplifting films that were coming out. I'm like, that's Dragonheart. They keep using that score for the previews. <laughs> yeah, it's that's just, like yeah, the- and it's like like uh, the music from that. The main theme from uh, uh, Last of the Mohicans is you get used to get used in all the movie trailers. Yep, that's what they yeah that they would use for Dragonheart too. And you'd be like, oh, there's fucking. You know, clearly the music's not locked yet because that's the music from something else. I remember the you first remember? time. I remember the first time I actually noticed that in a movie theater watching trailers, and I was like, "Isn't that the music from Last of the Mohicans?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, can they do that? Wait a minute, I can't, <laughs> like, can't do that. Can't do yeah, that. that feels like it's like, what do they have to do to license that? That's goofy. Well, if do it's you the same, remember if it's same studio? I guess it's probably easy. Yeah. Lethal yeah. Weapon, uh, the psychiatrist. Who kept chasing Riggs around? Because oh yeah, she was yeah. Like, yeah, the blonde woman. Mm-hmm. She played a uh, uh, news anchor. Yeah, Die Hard. Yeah. Oh yeah. Her name in that movie was Gail Wallens. The same actress plays the same reporter with the same name in the movie Ricochet um, with uh, Denzel Washington and really? uh, John Lithgow. Yes, and that's because. Ricochet was originally supposed to be um, Die Hard 4. You know, excuse me. I think Ricochet was originally supposed to be Die Hard 3. That's where John Lithgow's the bad guy? Yes. Yeah, that's a fun movie. That's an underrated, like, crazy movie. Yes. It's fun. It's, Lithgow is just fucking phenomenal. It's a very, very L- vicious a, film. Yeah. Lith- Lithgow's awesome. He's always been a great bad guy. I watched... Um, because of the fervor that I was talk- telling you guys about earlier, I watched 2010. That's a fantastic sequel oh, to that great. movie. Yeah. And yeah, nobody so gives it any credit. Nobody gives it credit. Because of what you know? it has to be compared to. But it's Of course. I mean, but how? Come on. Give me a break. That's For Peter a movie. Hyams, dude. And Lithgow's in it. Yeah, and he's great, brilliant. The, the great Peter Hyams, man. Yeah. The Out, awesome, Blue, Thund- Blue Thunder. Blue Outland. Thunder is amazing. Amazing movie. Capricorn One, the first movie I saw in the theater. Capricorn I always One, think Lyman Good's going to get away. Bump, I, bump, I always yeah. think he'll make it. Bump, I know. Bump, 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 bump. <laughs> bump. 
That's just that's a great score. Capricorn One's an underrated film. That's a that's a fun movie. I don't think I've and ever seen it. Really, Hassan? Wow. Capricorn you know One, really? About? Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen it. You know what it's, you know it's about? Nope. Do not. It's about. It's cool. Yeah they 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 uh, they do a uh, they have a space trip planned to Mars, but they can't really get there. And they don't want to disappoint the public, so they film it on a soundstage and fake the whole landing of the spacecraft on Mars. I know it sounds dumb, but but then what happens is they leave the studio and they hear the report on the radio that the astronauts all died coming back from Mars. Yeah, so, so the so the, the capsule the, the capsule that they had sent into space to be the mock-up, something happened and it exploded. So then they had to play it off that the three astronauts were killed, right? Well, the three astronauts are like, uh, we're still here. We're still here. <laughs> they run and they run into the desert, and the and these helicopters come yeah, after basically them. Basically, the government guys, the the black helicopters, come after them and hunt, start trying to hunt them down. And then while that's going on, Elliot Gould plays a reporter trying to unravel everything. So right. that's that's the side story. The three astronauts are Sam Waterston. Uh-huh. Uh, o. J. Simpson and James Brolin and James Brolin. It's it's Jesus I mean, it's, Christ. It's a unique film. It's, it's really worth, good. Worth hunting down. It's a good movie. The suspense okay. when they get go on the lamb and go in the desert. It's really like palpable. It's it's well done. I think it's it's a pretty quick film too. It's not that long. It's only like an hour forty. No, hours. it's it's and it, and it moves quick too. It's it's like. Everything, ever they lay out everything in front of you in the first five ten minutes, then the thing happens, and then it's just basically a chase film from then on. Yeah, wow, it's just a, a run. No, to I'm the... on. It's two hours and four minutes, but it's uh, came on seventy seven in December. Yeah, That's strange. Hal Holbrook's in it. Brenda Vaccaro, Telly Savalas is in it. Yeah, Everyone every, from the seventies. Every every seventies actor is in there. <laughs> yeah. I saw that at the Catlow in Barrington. That was the first. Ah, Nineteen seventy-eight, not seventy-seven. The but. fucking Catlow. That's Karen Black's in it. Uh, wow, Karen Black's in everything. Karen Black was in my birthday party when I was there. <laughs> <laughs> with her weird cross eyes it was yeah. the most capricorn one was the most successful independent film of that year that's amazing that that was an independent film that's wow. crazy that that was an indie film yeah that's what it just said anyway we're still uh, we're still on the podcast right uh yeah we are oh okay well so i guess i uh i guess i you know i guess uh the hassan did you weigh in on favorite ridley scott no um yeah, Hassan. Alien. Yeah, Hassan. Alien. Uh, yeah. Uh, Blade Runner. Kingdom of Heaven. Ooh. Above Martian. Wow. Oh, Kingdom of Heaven is. Actually, Kingdom of Heaven would probably be above Blade Runner. Um. Mm. Okay. And. Uh, <laughs> meow. <laughs> So is a kingdom of heaven. So, uh, excuse me, uh, aliens, kingdom of heaven, Blade Runner, The Martian. Um, who's the fifth one? Hmm. <laughs> well, that's, a good, 
That's a good thought. That's a that's, maybe Prometheus, but it's a but it's iffy. It's a little iffy. Okay. Prometheus is it's good until the last like twenty five minutes, and then yeah, it does. It it starts to the it it starts to take on really bad plotting. Yeah, you know, that's my, exactly my, what I wrote my review. My, my, plotting. my single biggest issue with Prometheus, and I know it, it shouldn't even be an issue, but it is. And I, I just I'm I I just hated the fact that most of the characters in that film are portrayed as being really smart, very wise, very, you know, top of their game kind of, you know, strong. So they're not. And and then when we're running in a straight line from a giant rolling donut, well, yeah, we, I mean, we we don't think to just maybe turn left or right. Have you ever heard of flanking? Yeah, I mean, just you know, don't run away from it in the exact same direction it's moving. Just, just. I think I think it's kind of there's a there's a lot of stuff that's a little weird in that. I it's very Hollywood. Yeah, and maybe I'm. Rev- Maybe I'm revealing too much about myself. It's very Hollywood for someone to call you and tell you to sacrifice yourself on a whim and then have you follow through with it. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's a there's there's a lot giving up your life is a big fucking deal. Yeah, you know? And so Idris Elba's like, okay, got it. And it is it (laughs) I think it is. I think it is. Um and he just he just launches his ship right into like yeah. there's no other way they could take the ship yeah. out you I know mean, so why something else yeah and it's just it it I mean it's a great scene but to me that's like hmm, could I make a could I make that phone call it's like hey Steve you know that car that's getting away I need yeah, to jump in front of it just, dude maybe he could just bump into it throw its yeah. trajectory off exactly. You know? I don't understand. So that's like at the start of Dark Knight Rises when they crash the plane, and Bane tells the guy, "No, brother, someone has to be found in the wreckage." Oh, okay, I guess it's me. It'll yeah, fly. that's that's slightly more believable because they those guys are fanatics. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, but you're absolutely right. It's like, but I mean, this the Id- Idris Elba is just a courier. He's just a he's yeah. just a bus driver. He basically you know? is, yeah. Ask your average bus driver, hey, could you sacrifice yourself? Give, you know, take one for the team, bus oh, driver. Dude. Yeah, he's like, fuck you, I'm on a pension. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't pay me enough for this. Fuck so it's this. just it's just really strange. Um and like like you said, Lathan, it just it just like it just makes a sprint for, for the for the finale. You know? Yeah, like does. once they get to act three, it's like, nah, we we got it. Let's like scientists. Let's uh, let's go wander around and grab alien life forms and play with them until they turn out to be dangerous and kill yeah, us. You know, it's just, like wait a minute, guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We learn our lesson. Uh, well, actually, it's a prequel, so we hadn't learned that lesson. And then there's that other scene, which is a great scene, where one of the dudes who disappeared. Yeah, he's at the front door, right? Yeah, and he don't look good, right? No. And so the guys, Five feet, I like yeah. that. Yeah, I like that guy. He goes, okay, open the fucking door. Like he's like, I'll, I'll fucking. Now he doesn't. He, he, he overestimates his abilities. But I did like that scene. But that's like, okay, so this guy shows up and he's been 
taken over by whatever this goo shit is. No <laughs> mention about what happened to the other guy. Yeah, exactly. You know? They burn this guy alive, and then and then uh, Nomi Rapace's boyfriend starts to freak out because he's been poisoned by David, and then they burn him, and I'm like, what's going on? You know, like he's is he trying to make up a body count for the last act? Like, he does he get an extra bonus if he has like ten different dead characters by the That's end of the credits? That's what it felt like. It felt like we just got to fucking kill everybody. And as crazy as Prometheus is, Covenant is worse. Yeah, I don't like Covenant. Way worse. Like, like, you know, David's like, hey, Billy Crudup, follow me into this basement. Nothing bad will happen to you. I'm (laughs) fine. I've been here on this planet alone all this while, and I'm not crazy. I promise. And Billy Crudup's like, okay, let's go down. After you see, (laughs) he's turned turned Nomi Rapace into art. (laughs) Right? Now, let me go follow you into this. Like, okay. Yeah. That's enough. That's enough. I made a statement about about a uh, uh, paranoid activity like years and years ago, like 10, 10, 15 years ago. I was like, "This this is the most racist movie I've ever seen." Because I know white people, and they're not this stupid. Because every every five minutes in that, there's like a floating chair. I was like, "No, nothing's going on." Like, dude, okay, that chair hit you in the face, dude. Even even a skeptic would be like, "All right, all you know right, what? that's it." I don't know if we should stay here. <laughs> you know, at least let's not stay here tonight. You know, let's come back tomorrow with the daylight, come back with a couple of paranormal experts, have the place checked out. No, we're staying put. We're staying in this house. Like, all right, all right, ass, you're an idiot. And the other guy, um, spirits, right? Woman walks in the door. Oh, oh, bad spirits in here. This is, this is bad. No, no, you guys shouldn't stay here. Bad oh, juju. Th- and the woman bails, right? She leaves. Doesn't take her money. Nothing, right? Not a scam. She's like, like I'm out of here, dude. I, whatever this is, I don't want any of it. So this guy's like, you know what we need to do? We need to get a Ouija board. <laughs> no, no, no. Maybe you don't believe it. But if then if you don't believe it, you're not going to fuck with it. You're just going <laughs> to yeah. not believe it, you know? I don't understand like some of these things, like well, we need to push the plot along. So you could tell that there's studio execs going. Why don't you just make him uh, do a séance? Yeah, that's obviously that's I that's what I would do if I I would do a séance. Like no, you wouldn't. Love séances. You should yeah. do séance. Yeah, George, you would not do a séance. Okay, George, you're an idiot. No. <laughs> I'm not writing a séance. You could fire me. All right, then you're fired, and I'll get someone who writes séance. I can get a, I can go out to the street and hit a guy who will write a seance for him. <laughs> Stupid. All right, enough of this. Thanks to Purple Planet Music. Get your own awesome music at purple-planet.com. Please check out our website at cinematalpod.com for all the poster images we discuss on our Down the Tube segments. And don't forget to download and or subscribe to Cinemental wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can always check out new episodes at cinematalpod.com. Also, in case you use social media, you can find us at cinematalpod at all the usual places. For Hassan Godwin, Latham Conger III, myself, and our friend Steve Prue, we all say thank you very much for listening. And as always, in the words of our friend and driving instructor, Truman Burbank. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Bloop. Driving instructor. Our friend Steve <laughs> Prue, who's out on the adventure of his life. <laughs> He's having the adventure of the lifetime. 
I am not a hipster, man, because it's one thirty, and I don't care what girl would text me now. It's like, there's no fucking way, Jack. Yeah, no, uh, <laughs> there's no fucking way. 